Welcome to Watch Therefore. Our Savior Jesus told us to watch for His coming, and the signs that He spoke of are all around us, shouting, Watch Therefore, and be ready. So join me, Dove Schwartz, as we learn to watch and prepare for the coming of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now today's program was recorded at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom in Pearland, and I'd like to invite all of our listeners in the Houston area to join us at Calvary Chapel in Pearland, where the Bible is taught line upon line, chapter upon chapter, book upon book, where prayer is a priority and where fellowship is something we experience together as Jesus our Savior walks in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Ray Jensen is the new pastor at Calvary Chapel Beth Shalom, and the Lord has raised him up to lead this congregation in this critical hour just before the coming of Messiah Jesus. Listen today, and we pray you're blessed. So now, we are in Luke 24 and verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. They said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, the first people to learn about the resurrection of Jesus were these women who had been faithful followers. One thing to notice here is that they found out about the resurrection first because of their close devotion. They served Jesus wholeheartedly. They got to see a miraculous sight. Visible angelic beings So much of the world out there, they're looking for a miracle of Jesus, just like Herod wanted in the last chapter. Herod was glad to see Jesus, but he only wanted a miracle. That's all he wanted out of Jesus. He didn't want anything else. People today, they want their blessing without being a dedicated follower of Jesus. And Jesus does not respond to that. He didn't answer Herod either. Most people claim to be a follower of Jesus. But if you're not obeying His commands, if you're not actively daily, regularly serving Him, then you are not a follower of Jesus. And now to think that these women, women here, who were often looked down upon in that day, they had little or no authority because of their unending dedication to serve Jesus Christ. Even after He died, they got to see these angels and hear this great announcement that all of creation was waiting to hear. He is not here but He's risen. He's not here. He's risen. They got to hear this because of devotion. He's alive. He's out of here. See, we don't serve a dead Jesus. When we pray and we're like, we pray kind of like, yeah, but I don't know if Jesus can really do that. Hey, He's not dead. Now, if He were dead, you could pray like that, like you're whooped. But He's not dead. He's alive. Now, Jesus' resurrection provided some irrefutable evidence 
that he is alive. That's been debated a lot. He is, he is alive. And also, that he is exactly who he claimed to be. The Son of God. The Messiah. His resurrection also fulfilled scriptures which foretold of his coming and his resurrection. His resurrection authenticated his claims that he would be raised on the third day, as he said many times. John 2.19, Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Mark 8.31, And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed. And after three days, rise again. Mark 9.31, For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. Mark 10.33. Here's another one. I'm I'm filling you up with a whole bunch of I want you to see the validity here. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him, and spit on him, and kill him, and the third day, he will rise again. That's at least, what, three, four times he said this, Uh, not to mention the prophecies from way back that was talking about it. Jesus wanted to make sure that everybody knew when he rose up again that they would remember that he told them so that he would do it over and over again so that they'd believe. You know, I wonder how many people mocked him all the way to the cross and then were shocked into believing once they discovered he'd risen up again. It must have pierced through the hearts of many people. Jesus rose up. I, I, I ridiculed him all the way to the cross. He really did. That's what he always said. He was going to rise up. That caused a stir. And thank God for it. But you know, growing up, when I, when I grew up in church, I heard over and over and over again the same thing. Christian lingo. All the Christian lingo I heard growing up was this. Jesus died and paid the price for our sins. Jesus died and paid the price for our sins. And when I was a kid, I had no clue what that meant. I did not know what that meant for nothing. Jesus died and paid the price for our sins. Okay, great. Sounds wonderful. But what does that mean for me? I had no clue. There did not seem to be any victory in this that I could put my finger on. People would get all excited. Oh, Jesus paid, died and paid the price. Oh, who do you owe? You know, I, I, it didn't register with me. I didn't get it. The problem was, the best part of this story for me, growing up, the best part of the story was being omitted, that I didn't hear. Jesus did not just die, He was also raised back to life again, demonstrating that He had paid my sin's death penalty, but He also defeated and conquered over death itself. That's the part I never heard. And when I finally got that out, now I got excited. It's like, oh, this is cool. But I looked further into it, I want to get more excited. So how is... I still had another question, though. My question was, how can you have something that's called eternal life if the last thing you know that happens to you is that you die? I didn't get it. I want to show you something in Romans 6, 8. It says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once For all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now, this is where it gets good. Listen to this. Likewise, you also. See that? Likewise, you also. That means this now pertains to you. 
Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, if you're in Jesus, then because death doesn't have a grip on Him, then death doesn't have a grip on you either. That's something to amen about. If Jesus defeated death and is alive, if you're in Him, then you're alive to God. Death can't ever, ever have you again. That's a promise of God. It's in His Word. I told you I was reading from the Word tonight, not my opinion. That is what I never heard growing up. I never understood this. I never understood how Jesus' death on the cross was not the end of it. I thought it was the end of it. That's not the end of it. That's the start. (laughs) Jesus rose again, defeating death. And now that I am in Jesus with Him as my Lord, He's also my Savior. And that death can never, ever have me again. I'm headed for eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he said in John 6, no one comes to the Father but by him. If it weren't for Jesus' resurrection, we would have no Savior. We would have no salvation, no hope of eternal life. As the Apostle Paul said, our faith would be useless and the power of the gospel would be eliminated if Jesus had not been raised to life. 1 Corinthians, let me show you, 1 Corinthians 15, 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and our faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still dead in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished." Paul is saying here, everything rides on the fact that Jesus did rise again from the dead. Everything rides on that. If he didn't rise, your faith would be nothing. My preaching or your preaching to your friends would be nothing. Your witness would be nothing. Your testimony would be nothing. And guess what? You would be nothing because you would still be dead in your sins. Dead. Great. Thank you for raising Jesus from the dead so that we can have the blessed hope of everlasting life. You see, all of this, everything, the entire gospel, your eternal destiny, and now your faith, your hope, all of it rides on the fact that Jesus Christ was raised again from the dead. And that is truth. And He did it for you because He loves you more than you will ever know. And so it was these women heard this great announcement. Gosh, I wish I was there. (laughs) They heard this great announcement from the angels. They went to report to everybody what they had seen from Luke 24, 9. It says they went to go see. I mean, if I was there, I'd have been running so fast to tell everybody about it. I'd be tripping over my own legs trying to get there. I couldn't get there fast enough to tell everybody. He's not in the tomb. They said he's alive. He's not there. We saw angels of God. This has got to be the most incredible event in all of human history here. I just, I'm just trying to convey the excitement that maybe they felt. But let's read on about what they did. Luke 24 and 10. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. And they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself what had happened. Nobody believed them. That's baloney. 
idle tales, they thought. Except for one guy, Peter. What did he do? He got up and he went out to go see for himself. Why Peter, though? You think back, Jesus really pushed on Peter. I mean, he pushed on him pretty hard. Why? Because he was trying to make a leader out of him. Remember what Jesus told Peter in Luke twenty-two thirty-two. He said, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus prayed for Peter's faith. And so now look, who's the only guy that got up to go see for himself? Peter. This is why we pray for our leaders and for each other, because it works. Don't just pray for yourself. Pray for those who are in the fellowship with you. I need your prayer. Oh yeah, even me. Yeah, the pastor. Especially me. I need your prayer. It does a lot of godly good to pray for one another. Just like we see the results of Jesus' prayer for Peter right here. Peter did not see the tomb yet. He did not see these angels. But Peter's faith was strengthened. And so he got up and went out. Not having yet seen for himself. That's a critical point. Too often I see believers in Jesus, they limit themselves and they try to limit God on what they think God can do. And the reason they do that is because they base it on what they see. Don't limit God based on what you see. That's not faith. Don't make decisions now how you think you should follow God's calling based on money or any other circumstances. You're trying to go on what you see. Walk by faith. Not by sight. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things, what? Not seen. Right here displays a major turning point for Peter. He's not a man of mere words anymore like he used to be. Like when he rejected three times, but he had just said, oh Jesus, I'll die for you. I'm your man, Jesus. I'll go all the way. And then right after that, he rejected him three times. He's not just a man of talk anymore. Now he's a man of faith. While everybody else doubted, Peter got up and went out to go see for himself. And guess what? Because Peter went, John followed him. Peter is now doing what's called leading. I want to show you from John 20 and 3. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. By faith, Peter got up and led. He led. And so he had a follower. You know, if you're not going to get up, and stop listening to the doubting majority, you'll never be a leader. You'll never be a leader. Peter didn't sit around and listen to the doubters. By faith, he got up and he went out. Do you know that what you demonstrate in your life will lead others? What you do will influence them to do. If you lay around and moan, they're going to lay around and moan. If you get up and do something, they'll get up and do do something. It's called leading. It's called influence. If you hold grudges... They'll hold grudges. If you sit around in unbelief, they're likely to sit around in unbelief. And if you listen to what everybody else says, you're going to be just like them. But if you will rise up, get up, and walk by faith, 
you will influence others to rise up and go too by faith along with you. If you believe, it'll help them believe. If you glory in tribulation, they'll glory in tribulation with you. If you forgive, they'll forgive. If you get up and walk in faith and belief, they'll get up and walk by faith and belief. And if they're not doing it yet, they soon will. Just by watching you lead them to a life in Jesus. Lead others to Jesus. It's what I'm trying to say. Peter got up and led others to Jesus. What's interesting is that Peter led and John followed. And John was faster. He got to the tomb first. I guess he was a sprinter. But he wouldn't go in. Peter got there last, but he did go in. He may not have been faster, but he did lead, and he was more determined, and he had no fear of getting to the destination. What this tells me is that some of you might be better gifted at some areas of ministry than I am. You might be faster at something. You may exceed me in some parts of leadership, but leadership is not about being the first or the best or the fastest. It's about being organized, and it's about being the one who is willing to lead others to go and do it. That's what leadership is, to do it. Now, Peter led John, a man who was faster than he was. But John was not willing to go all the way. Peter did go all the way in. Peter was determined to get to the destination. He did not let any fear or anything hinder him. Now, all of you have gifts that I don't have. You do know that, I hope. And so, all of you can figuratively run faster than I can in some areas of kingdom work. But if I don't lead you to believe and get excited about using your gifts for Jesus, if I don't lead you to get up and go, then you're not going to utilize the gifts that God gave you. I'm not the fastest or the smartest, and I'm by far certainly not the most perfect by any means. But I am determined to lead this body of believers according to the word of the Lord to make authentic disciples of Messiah Jesus in preparation of His glorious second coming. And and although you might sometimes outrun me, if you'll just follow me to the destination, to the vision, then there's no telling what God will be able to do with us in His kingdom work. So I'm asking you, come on, let's go. Let's go together in faith. We can be unstoppable to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all men, especially right here in Pearland. Amen? I got a good amen. I got a bunch of amens. We're, we went from one to a bunch. Progress. Well, not long ago, we saw Peter deny Jesus three times. So what changed in Peter? Jesus prayed for his faith. You see, by faith, we understand. By faith, we see. By faith, we act. And why did Jesus pray for Peter's faith? So that he would strengthen the brethren. Friends, I need you all to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. I need you all to pray for each other so that we will all be strengthened. You see, once you leave here and go out into your lives, you are the leader of others. You lead other people. You will be leaders in your job. Husbands, you're the leader in your family. You may work at some business where you lead people. You lead. And you can lead people in Jesus, even if it's a secular place. The way you conduct yourself will lead. Let's remain in prayer for each other. Because everyone here has been given a place to lead others out there. You've got gifts I don't have. You see people I'll never see. You know people and things I don't know. And so that's where you get to outrun me once you walk out that door into your mission field. 
Now, although Peter saw the cloths in the tomb, he still didn't understand what had happened. It said he marveled. And so, and now in Luke 24 and 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so that they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So Jesus is walking with these guys that knew him, but they were unable to see that it was him. And you may go, oh, how could that be? I would have known him. I would, oh, wait a minute. You know, I think most of America is blind to the real Jesus. He could walk right beside these people that say they know Jesus, and they wouldn't know it was him, even though they claim that they do. Matthew fifteen eight. Jesus had said this, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. When Jesus asked them to tell him what they were talking about, they gave him the view about Jesus that the majority of the nation believed at the time. He was right there, but they couldn't see him because they followed the majority view. What everybody was saying, never believe in the world's majority version of who they say Jesus is. Always trust in what God's Word says Jesus is. Today's Americanized Jesus is one who loves everybody so much that He allows everyone to live however they want to live, and it's okay. It's not okay. People today believe that everybody goes to heaven no matter what. That's not what He says in His Word. Has America forgotten that the reason Jesus came was to die for our sins? What used to be sins, we're calling them not sins anymore because we've invented a Jesus that's okay with that. That's not the real Jesus. The real Jesus is unrecognizable to people that believe in a false Jesus. You must repent of your sins. Let go of them. You have to repent, kick sin out of your life before you can accept the real Jesus as Lord. Thanks for listening today. And please join me every day, Monday through Friday, unless our Lord Jesus returns for us this week. This program is listener-supported and depends on tax-deductible donations to stay on the air. Give to Watch Therefore and contact me through our website at watchtherefore.tv. You can also send tax-deductible donations to Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. Again, by the web, watchtherefore.tv, and mail, Watch Therefore, P.O. Box 564, Pearland, Texas, 77588. You can also call me right now at 713-624-0943. That's 
864-624-0943. Keep watching for Messiah Jesus. This is John Peake with Israeli Self-Defense and Fitness. We are the new breed of martial arts and fitness designed to give you the understanding and skills to defend yourself and your family against an attack or threat by an armed or unarmed attacker or multiple attackers. We're an international organization led by former Israeli soldiers with a curriculum that is simple and effective. You owe it to yourself, family, and loved ones to be able to defend against any assault should the need arise. We are followers of Jesus Christ, led by His Holy Spirit to provide a safe and functional training environment to develop life-saving skills and increase your physical fitness beyond what you may think is possible. We offer group, private, and corporate training. Call today and mention KKHT to get a 10% discount on your membership. Remember, you owe it to yourself and loved ones not to be a victim. Visit us on the web at IsraeliSelfDefense.net or call 713-53-TRAIN. That's 713-538-7246 to get started today.